This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, two things right off the top. Number one, SoundCloud sucks again. And number two, this room is freezing. I am here at the studios recording this podcast that I hope you are listening to. And it's freezing in here. This is trash. It's the middle of the summer. And it feels like 50 degrees in here. I think there's something wrong with that. And there's also something wrong with SoundCloud, who continues to drop bonfire episodes. We seem to have located the problem. However, a certain switch, let's just say, keeps getting turned on for some freaking reason, thereby turning off the episodes. Which sucks, because when I try to point people in the direction, and I try to go out there to the real world and say, hey, you should find bonfire. Hey, here's what we have here. Hey! They turn to me and say, what the hell is this? You have one episode up, and it's two minutes long. And I think, okay, what the hell? Makes me look like a chump, makes the blaze look like a chump, and nobody wins. But of course, the only chump is SoundCloud and some stupid, bloody bug that is doing this. I don't know. It's frustrating. And of course, we keep going in there manually and turning it off, but that gets really old, and of course, as more and more episodes are uploaded we will eventually start to lose track. And the only thing we can do is look at the dates and say, okay, are these one week apart? If they're more than one week apart, then an episode is missing. And that's the best we can do. Oh, man, it's frustrating. So, on that positive note, let me jump right into something that I thought was absolutely captivating. A book review. Yes, another book review from The Bonfire. This time, it is called The Definitive Book of Body Language. Yes, as Hitch reminds us in his movie. I think it's something like 90, 80% of communication is nonverbal. Now, I don't know. I mean, it's a movie. So that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Yes, of course. But that is a pretty common concept. Most communication between human beings is nonverbal. You say a lot with your body and you say a lot with the tone of your voice than the actual words that come out. If you are showing your back to someone, and you raise your tone, and you say, I love you, that's probably not going to go off very well to the person you're saying it to. They're going to think, yeah, I don't think you mean that. You have your back to me, you raised your voice, and you said it quickly. Yeah, I love you. Mm, No, I don't think you do. I don't care what the words said. I see what you're doing with your body. You're giving me your back. You're giving me the cold shoulder, and you raised your voice. That tells you everything you need to know. I'm not an expert. Hitches, but that's if you want to watch the movie. If you don't want to watch the movie and you want to read a book from seemingly some experts, I think they know what they're talking about. Barbara and Alan Peace, I believe is how you pronounce their name. Peace, Peas, whatever. They're British, as far as I can tell, because as I'm reading the book, There seem to be a lot of British references. Things like trousers 
and lots of pictures of the royal family. <laughs> these they give all these examples of like, let's take a look at this, let's take a look at that. Oh, what is this person saying? What is this person thinking? And a good number of these are Prince Charles, Princess Diana, Prince Bob and Rupert and Everdeen. You know, all those Brits. Anywho. I enjoyed it. It's about uh it's almost four hundred pages. It's not too bad. It's actually a quick read because they're not a whole lot of big words. It's not Shakespeare, for gosh sakes. I don't like Shakespeare. That's just me. But this was an easy read. An easy read that still pulls you in because you just keep reading. You keep wanting to flip the page and say, okay, well, what else don't I know? So here, actually, let me just go ahead and read the synopsis here on what they, what they try to sell you on, why this book should be in your library. It's a scientific fact that people's gestures give away their true intentions, yet most of us don't know how to read body language and don't realize how our own physical movements speak to others. Now, the world's foremost experts on the subject share their techniques for reading body language signals to achieve success in every area of life. Drawing upon more than 30 years in the field, as well as cutting-edge research from evolutionary biology, psychology, and medical technologies that demonstrate what happens in the brain, the authors examine each component of body language and give you the basic vocab to read attitudes and emotions through behavior. Discover, one, how palms and handshakes are used to gain control. Number two, the most common gestures of liars. Number three, how the legs reveal what the mind wants to do. Number four, the most common male and female courtship gestures and signals. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, the secret signals of cigarettes, the magic of smiles, how to use nonverbal cues and signals to communicate more effectively, get the reactions you want. Now, that's funny that it says that because I've said to a number of friends and people that I you know, know and love in this world, hey, half the time I'm being sarcastic. Half the time... I'm saying and doing these things just to get a reaction from you. I just want to see what you do. I'm a jerk like that. If I know someone who has personal space, I'll be the one to give up, uh, give up, to go up and give them a hug, poke them, tap them on the shoulder, you know, the shoulder that I'm not on, and then look in the other direction and I laugh. Those types of things. Obviously, obviously childish things, but they make me laugh. <laughs> so I enjoy it. And they, you know, I do it to the people I know and love. Like I said, I don't do it to strangers because I don't know who the hell you are. But if I know who you are and I know the right buttons to push, sometimes I'm in the mood to do that. Believe it or not, okay? So yes, I do like to get reactions from people. That's why this book kind of piques my interest. I'm going through the bookstore and I'm looking for another book and I see this one and I thought, oh, that looks kind of interesting. I've always been interested in body language, how much I don't know about it, and how I would say most of these are theories. Okay, most of science is a theory. You know, there was a time when the theory was the world was flat until someone challenged it saying, uh, I don't know about that. Let me offer you another theory. Perhaps it is this instead. And of course, that one panned out and was true. That's how it works. You throw up one hypothesis, one theory. And say, okay, until someone can knock that down, let's assume that's the truth. And everybody goes about their business and they try to, you know, shoot it down with points and science and data until something else better comes along. And they say, oh, okay, now that one's the king of the hill. Take that one old, take, take the old one down and now let's put up this one. That's what you do. I would say most of these in this book are pretty solid theories. 
They make sense to me. You know, it says throughout the book, based on this study, on this study, and this one. Okay, all right. I'm going to assume that you actually did those, or that you actually read them, and that they... Excuse me, I just ate. (laughs) That they actually proved those points. Okay, so anyway. Here are my favorite chapters. Chapter number two. The power is in your hands. That one was all about hand gestures, you know, using a fist versus an open hand. Palm facing the sky versus the ground. Handshakes. You know, the angles that you extend your hand and in what direction. And if you try to pull someone into your space versus you're reaching out to them. There's a lot of power plays going on. You'd be surprised with handshakes, at least with men. Chapter number four, arm signals. When you cross your arms, you stick them up, you put them behind your back, you put them in front of you, whatever, all that gives indications, hmm, this person might be feeling this way. Cultural differences, that's fun. Number eight, eye signals. You know, the eyes are the window to the soul. So when you're looking at looking someone in the eye, you, it, it feels different, absolutely, than you staring at their hand. Eyes can tell a lot. And one of my favorite, number 10, how the legs reveal what the mind wants to do. The book was making the argument, look, the further away the appendage is, the less control you have over it, in a way, or something. It's something like, they'll, they'll give you away. So your face, everybody's looking at the face, okay? That's who you are as an individual. That's who we think of. When you think of your friend, you don't think of their foot, you see their face. You think of their personality, yes, which is wrapped into what you see in their face. We have tremendous control over our faces. Smiles, grimaces, eyebrows, nose, eyes, yes, all that, okay? Now, the point I was making in the book about your feet was, hey, start noticing people's feet. See, if you're talking to someone, and if you look down and you see their feet pointed 90 degrees to the left or the right, It looks like they're probably trying to get away from you. They're kind of like, okay, I can't wait for this guy to stop talking. Can he stop talking? I really want to go. Is he consciously pointing his feet like that? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe in his mind he's thinking like, wow, this guy just won't shut up. I don't want to talk to him anymore. How can I get out of this situation? And somehow, someway, subconsciously, your feet start to slowly shift away from the individual. Okay. So those kinds of things that you're just, it's good to know. To be a social creature, which we all are. If you're talking to a stranger and you think you're having a good time and you're like, wow, this is a great conversation. But you look down, you notice his feet and you're like, ooh, not really. He's not really pointed at me. Okay, there's one signal. Let me uh, look look at his arms. Oh, his arms are crossed. Okay, it seems like he's kind of blocking himself off subconsciously. And again, that's what a lot of this book gets into about. Um, You have to compile it all together. There's no one particular signal body language thing that you're doing that says, yes, this person is feeling this pure hard fact. No. You have to compile them all together. If you have his feet pointing in the other direction, he's crossing his arms and he's staring up into space, he can barely maintain eye contact with you, chances are, 99%, he doesn't care about you. Doesn't want to talk to you, he wants you to stop talking, and he wants to get away. Because of those three things combined together. His feet are telling him, let's go, let's go away. His arms are crossing his body as if he's blocking you out, saying, nope, you can't get in here, don't talk to me, leave me alone. And his eyes are wandering around looking, hmm, who's someone else I can talk to? Who's someone that I could wave down and 
have them come rescue me. He's not focusing on you. He's not looking you in the eye. Those kinds of things. I love that stuff. It's always interested me. So there you have it. The book, the definitive book of body language by Barbara and Alan Peace. Let's just call him Peace. Couple of Brits writing about body language. I enjoyed it. It's a decently long book, but easy read. Interesting material. Gets you thinking. And then you kind of start to bring it into your own life. If you're talking to someone and you don't want to bore them, keep an eye out for those signals that the book goes into. Then if you notice someone who is digging you and you're like, hey, this person's actually listening to me, well, then you can keep going. If you can tell, hey, they kind of want me to shut up, then shut your mouth and then let them talk. The art of conversation. I'm not perfect at it, Lord knows. There are definitely times that I don't want to talk. And there's definitely times I don't want to be around people. And people know. They can tell. Wow, Andrew's, uh, he's been a little pisser over there. It's like, yes, I am. Excuse me. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Give me 30 minutes by myself. And then I'll, I'll come out of my shell. Excuse me. But this is how self-discovery. Bonfire's been all about that this year. 2016. One of the first articles I wrote this year. Make this year your self-discovery. Find out more about yourself and how you can interact with others, okay? What you like, what you don't like, what your personality type is, your temperament, hell, even your body language. Then you can start noticing things yourself. If you want to give someone even more attention and let them know, hey, I'm paying attention to you, don't cross your arms, point your feet at them, sit close to them, give them your ear and your eye, your full attention, don't be distracted by other people around, and then they'll think, wow, this person's really listening to me. This is rare in today's world. That's how you stand out from the crowd. There you have it. The Bonfire. Seal of approval for another book. The Definitive Book of Body Language. Go buy it now or find a buddy to read it. <laughs> I mean, you should, have, you should have a buddy. If you don't have a buddy, then you got problems. Problems to work on. And that's all about self-discovery. We should all have a friend. You got a friend in me. I'm going to go home and watch Toy Story. All right. Well, actually, I want to go on a break real quick, and then I'll watch Toy Story some other time. So I'll be right back. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Time for a quick movie review now just got done with the book review now on to a movie review we're all about culture here at bonfire this movie came out in 2011 so yeah it's not a new movie but i you know picked it out from my dvd case the other day popped it in the dvd player and watched it and once again thoroughly enjoyed it the movie contagion from 2011 an American medical thriller film. <laughs> That's a very specific title. It's not just a thriller, but it's a medical thriller. I didn't know there were a whole lot of those. Is Saw considered a medical thriller? I doubt it. That's just trash. Directed by Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh was the one who did uh, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve and 13, I believe. I'm pretty sure he did all three. He has a very particular style. 
And when you keep an eye out for it, you notice it and you think, oh, okay, I guess that was him. That does make total sense. He likes a lot of static shots, you know, like Michael Bay, for example, Transformers. He likes to have huge, sweeping, dramatic, kinetic shots. And those are great, too. Soderbergh, you can tell in Ocean's Eleven, Contagion. I'm trying to think of another one he made. Even uh, Che. I saw this old Che documentary. Che mockumentary. It was a stupid movie. But Soderbergh directed it. And it was the same style. Lots of static shots. He'd have either close-up shots or really distant ones. And then he'd be on that shot for 20 seconds. And you think about that. It's kind of long in a movie. A lot of shots are two seconds long. One second long. And then it cuts to another another view. Michael Bay certainly does that in Transformers. It's constantly moving. So anyway, Contagion. I enjoyed it because it's about an hour and a half. I like those kinds of movies. Nice and short. But, but they're a good length. They're not 30 minutes long. They're 90 minutes. And I enjoyed it because it had some moments of humor. But most of the time it's focusing on this unique virus. At least I think it's a virus. Yes, a virus transmitted by fomites. And fomites, as they explain in the movie, are, you know, non-living objects or substances capable of carrying infectious organisms, such as germs or parasites. So basically, hey, fomites are the things that live on doorknobs, your desk, your keyboard, your phone, the subway the wheel of your car, the transmission, whatever. Anywhere where everybody's putting their hands, your seat, your handshakes, yes. So it takes this simple idea of, hmm, something we all do, okay, we touch lots of objects during the day, and we all frequently touch our faces, scratch our nose, rub our eyes, eat with our hands, and then, you know, we're licking the food from our fingers. Sometimes some of us, not everybody, But some of the idiots in the world go to the bathroom and don't wash their hands. And then they bring that out into the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. That is what starts Contagion. (laughs) There was a more specific ending. But I like that idea. It starts very, very small. It's like a mustard seed. Very, very small. Next thing you know, holy crap. It's taking over the world. It just grew exponentially. And so you're watching humanity slowly think, okay, there's like there's a little something-something going down over there. Maybe that's a local school that just had a swim meet, and it's just got its own little infection. Okay, nothing, nothing to freak out about, but let's keep an eye on it. You know, that's what we're supposed to do here at the CDC. And then slowly it, it pops up in other states, and they're like, okay, there are some similarities. Maybe it's the same thing. Okay, let's, uh, let's start gathering some information right now. Let's try to get ahead of this before it could get worse. But of course, it does get worse. And then, you know, the crap really starts to hit the fan, and you're watching society slowly fall apart. I think it's a great movie to show society's only civilized when when everything is hunky-dory, when we have everything, as we do right now. The second the grocery stores run out of food, the second the gas stations run out of gas, People will pull a 180, and they will not be themselves. And they will do that because they'll think, hey, 
I got a family to take care of. So it's a dog-eat-dog world now. I'm going to do whatever it takes to either save myself or save myself and my family. So you imagine you're walking down the street. You pass by a guy. Hey, how you doing, sir? Hey, good day, yeah. And you move on with your life. That dude who you just had a nice, polite moment with would be the one a week later slitting your throat in the grocery store because you grabbed the last can of beans, you beat him to it, but he's not going to take that. He's going to steal it from you and then kill you so that you don't cause more problems for him. That is how crazy it is. That That's why it's realistic. Of course that's going to happen. God forbid that if something that crazy were to happen to society, a disease, some sort of attack, a natural disaster, that's what happens. People go, not rogue, they go animal. Basic instinct starts to rule the day. No more reasoning, just your raw emotion and instinct. And that's understandable. So, you know, this isn't a this isn't a PSA for hey, get prepared today from the US government. No. But seriously, keep that in mind. You everybody's polite out there on the streets, in the roads, in your work, more or less. Of course there are freaks out there. Stupid bastards. But more or less everybody's still polite because they're hey, I can go home, I got food at the house, I have a car that has gas, I can still go get it. Easily enough, you know, just-in-time delivery, that whole system, the foods in the grocery stores, there's only like three days worth, 72 hours, before the next truckload, or several truckloads, pull into the grocery store parking lot and reload all the food. Okay, the grocery stores aren't stocked up for weeks and months. They have days of food, and that's it. It's constantly being replenished. So that idea, just-in-time delivery, is the same thing that applies to almost everything in our society, all the amenities and utilities that we have. When we start to lose any of those, people start to get a little worried, and when the next one cracks, all hell breaks loose. So when you're watching this in the movie Contagion, you're seeing, okay, everyday normal society, okay, it's slowly getting more and more serious, okay, CDC is keeping an eye on it, and they're aggressive, thinking, okay, I'm going to study this, we're going to put it in the lab, and we need to develop a vaccine. Eh, soon. Soon. This could get out of hand. Next thing they know, whoa, it did get out of hand, and it's like 24 hours later. Then they really start to freak out and say, okay, people are now dying really quickly, and this is a really infectious disease for those who can get it. And uh, if this if word gets out, the public is going to panic. Absolutely. It's absolutely what's going to happen. So the, it seems to be very real believable circumstances. This isn't science fiction, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek, which I love those. Great series in and of themselves, but Contagion has a has more realism. Absolutely. Okay? Because this could happen tomorrow. Star Trek can't happen tomorrow. Star Wars can't happen tomorrow. But Contagion can happen tomorrow. A disease that we don't know what it is, something we've never seen before, or something that was here thousands of years ago and humanity hasn't run into it recently. How are we going to tackle it? We live in such urban societies that people are so jam-packed together that of course it's going to spread easily. I love all these concepts. It's very almost walking dead, almost. You know, rural society versus urban, disease, breakdown of society. It seems to be a very popular theme in recent years. 
that notion, you know, the breakdown of society because of natural disaster, attacks, or a disease, or all the above. So, if you're in the mood for a little bit of, I don't want to call this a dark film, if you're in the mood for a little bit of realism, you know, believable escapism, Let's see, we could even say that, believable escapism, you just want to sit down for 90 minutes and enjoy a movie, get wrapped up in it, have a good time, and kind of think about it, wow, what, what would I do in that situation? It's fun, because it's safe, it's just a movie. But importantly, it also kind of gets you gets you thinking, hmm, okay, this could kind of happen. So maybe I should have a couple days worth of food saved up in my clo- uh, in my pantry. That isn't, uh, what's the word? Perishables. Maybe I should have some non-perishables in my house. Maybe I should stock up on eh, some batteries for my flashlights. Even just basic things like that. Seriously, they can go a long way. When there's a tor- the bloody tornado blowing through your neighborhood and, oh, oh, the power goes out, your house is still there and you're fine. You got plenty of food and you're just eating. You're a fat ass, but you didn't have any batteries. How stupid would you feel? You didn't have a, have a freaking flashlight to walk around your house that now has no power. You'd say, eh, well, this kind of sucks. I have to use my phone. Well, guess what? Power's out. Eventually, your phone's going to die. Now you can't call anybody, and now you still don't have a light. You're an idiot. So come on. Little simple things like that. Flashlights, extra batteries, a portable generator, like just the hand crank one for your phone. How about that? That can also be a radio. Red Cross hands that stuff out. Come on. Or they don't hand it out. I guess you can pay for it. Anyway, enough rambling. There you have it. A bonfire... Yeah. Bonfire seal of approval... For another movie, Contagion. Go see it now and have a good time. As morbid as that sounds, it's true. Go do it. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire. On demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Little did you know, or maybe you do know, I, Andrew Herzog, a skinny guy. I am not overweight. I am not overweight. Like Jeffy. I can say that because I work with him. Just like he can say, wow, Andrew, why don't you uh, turn around and eat a sandwich every now and then, for God's sake? I'd say, oh, you know, you're absolutely right. I do. I burn 1,900 calories a day if I do nothing. I forget what that term is called, but I, my, I think it's the metabolic age of a 12-year-old. If I sat on the couch all day, my body would still burn 1,900 calories. That is trash, in my opinion. Any number of people that I've brought that up to, they've all said, you son of a... <laughs> they're, they're jealous, and they're like, wow, I wish I could do that. And I say, no, no, you don't, because you struggle just to keep the weight that you have, which is already underweight. So sometimes, sometimes frequently, you have to stuff your face Believe it or not, that's not enjoyable. Okay, I like to eat the food because it tastes good, not because 
I'll enjoy shoving food down my gullet. No. When I'm full, there comes a point where if you try to take another bite, you're going to puke. Okay? We all know that. That's not fun. That's not healthy. That's not enjoyable. You eat until you're full, whoever the hell you are. If you have a big gut or a small gut. That's the problem for anyone like me who is skinny. You just think, hey, we'll just keep eating. You're like, it's not that simple. I, I try to eat throughout the day, but of course we have jobs, other things to do, sleep, which is just as important. I'm not going to eat while I'm sleeping. Okay, so there's only 16 hours in a day that I can't eat. Some of that I'm diligently working hard at my job. I can't exactly be stuffing my face as I'm typing away an article or a TV show or a podcast for that matter. You just can't do it. can't multitask like that. You could try to eat and drive, but if you ask me, that's kind of stupid. Just stop. Go pull over and eat. So come on. You feel me? You feel me? Skinny people like me? You know what I'm getting at. I bring this up because... <laughs> oh, man, it sucks. I, I do try to eat as often as possible. But there is one thing here. In New York, that sounds like trash. Hell no. I would not eat this. Sounds disgusting. Spring bone chicken. Wow, I butchered that. Spring bone kitchen <laughs> has started selling an ice pop made of coconut milk, raspberry puree, pomegranate juice, maple sugar, and bone broth. Yeah, bone broth. So it's a beef popsicle. This bad boy apparently is a little sweet. Just the right amount of sweet. But it's essentially frozen bone broth. Now, bone broth, my understanding is you just soak animals' bones, you know, in the water, the broth, whatever, and you let it, you let the broth soak up all these minerals and vitamins and nutrients that are in the bones, and then you drink the broth, and it's really healthy and good for you. Okay, I'm all for that, if that's true. Even if it's not true, if it tastes good, I'm all for it, okay? But I haven't tried it. But the concept, though, frozen beef soup, it's kind of what it is. No, I don't want a bloody popsicle that tastes like beef. If I want beef, I'm just going to eat beef. I'm going to go get me a burger. If I want a popsicle, which I never do, if I want something sweet, I'll go get something sweet. Don't mix the two. Don't give me a... You know, a sugary burger. Don't give me a beefy popsicle. What the hell are you doing? I don't know. But it's New York. The Springbone Kitchen is, get, is taking a taking a swipe at this, seeing, hey, let's see, let's see how this goes. Uh, it's four dollars a popsicle. Okay, not bad for New York, I guess. Seems to be doing relatively popular, like it's doing well. Now, the idea of the bone broth, that works well in the winter months. Everybody wants soup during the winter months when it's cold out. You know, who wants hot soup in the middle of summer? Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. You could have some cold soup, but I think in generally, in general, when people think of soup, it's usually hot. So it works really well for half the year. The other half of the year, being the brilliant capitalists that they are, and I do applaud them for this, they think, hey, well, what? we can't miss out on this for half the year. Let's figure out a way to still get the bone broth to the people. So, hell, let's get, make it into a popsicle. If that works for you and people are buying it and they love it, then, you know, more power to you. You're just not going to get me to do it. 
because that sounds gross. There you have it. That was the C block. We'll be right back for the D block. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. I look at this picture and I'm thinking, is that Hillary? She looks great. They've got the hair looking a little different. They've got the outfit is a little bit younger looking with the open jacket and the loose hanging blouse with the pants. It's still a pantsuit, but it's not the Mouse tongue look. I will grant you that it's a faraway shot. It's knees and above. So, you know, I do miss the suffering of the cankalitis. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday mornings, 9 to noon Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. And finally, as this room is still freezing, and I want to get out of here, and I think I've done a good job on the podcast, I'm going to conclude with my final verdict of the Arrested Development Experiment that I've conducted for the past couple weeks. And yes, it's taken me a couple weeks. I'm a slacker. But, as I explained before... I had friends throughout the years tell me, hey, Andrew, it's a great show. You should check it out. You'd love it. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's genius. Okay. So I tried. First time, watched the episodes. Don't really remember what happened. I watched, I think, the first one and maybe the last episode. I don't know why I did that. I forget where it was. But anywho, I had no idea what was going on. So I said, okay, I don't care. Years later, once again, they said, you can't do that. Start over. Okay. Turned on the first episode, fell asleep. <laughs> oh, fell asleep in the pilot episode. And that told me almost everything I needed to know. But I persisted. I said, nope, nope. I need to try to make it through this. I had friends challenge me to say, look, give it at least six episodes. You need, you need to give it at least six episodes, and then you'll really get into it. I thought, why the hell would I give anything six episodes? You should be able to catch me in the first one, maybe the second. If you're asking me to, you know, commit to half a season before I commit to the series, I've just committed to the series. It made no sense to me. I said, fine, why not? We'll do it your way. I can now say, after watching six episodes of Arrested Development, that it's, it's average. It's okay. I don't really care for the characters. Yes, they're all, they're all unique. I think they're all slightly humorous in their own way. (laughs) But in general, I'm kind of apathetic. Just kind of watching the episode, I'm like, okay, that was nice. It's okay. I'm not too particularly impressed. Blown away that I think, oh, I have to watch the next episode. Now, of course, not every TV series is going to be a page-turner. We all know those series. There's 24, there's Lost, Heroes, Marvel... Those are the ones that you think, okay, I got to keep watching. Breaking Bad, I'm, I'm told that you just have to, oh, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Those are ones that you binge. This one, maybe not so much. I even had that a little bit in The Office. There were ones where I thought, oh, wow, I, I got to see the next episode because I'm assuming they're going to try to resolve that issue that I just saw. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But in Arrested, I've been watching it as, as a, a chore up to this point, six episodes. So we'll see if somehow it just occurs to me if I'm at home, oh, I'm going to watch episode seven now because I'm not obligated to do so anymore. If I choose to, then maybe. Maybe it would take me the whole first season before I find that I am a fan. I don't know. I'm still open to it convincing me, but it has not yet. 
after six episodes, it, I am still... It's lackluster in my eyes. There are other things I'd rather watch. And as I mentioned before, I did. I watched Contagion. Uh, I didn't mention, but I did watch Transformers. I watched those over again. I think one, two, and three. All the ones with Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. And you know what? Not bad, actually. I used to be pretty critical of number two, Revenge of the Fallen. But I watched it and I thought, you know what? Okay. That wasn't bad at all. It's pretty sweet. And the third one, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, or Dark of the Moon, also not bad. I enjoyed it. I was entertained. Lots of great action. Great effects. Great music. I mean, what more could you want in a movie? And of course, I think I watched all these back when I was in high school, in college, when they were coming out. And they were during the summer, so they're they're very summer blockbustery. You know those those movies. It gives you that feeling. As you're watching it, you're like, the way it's shot... The colors, the music, the emotions as you're rewatching some of the scenes, you're just like, wow, that just screams summer. And so it's fun. On a warm, hot summer night, you're watching a summer blockbuster. And it brings back memories. You think, yep, yep, I know where I was. Back in the day when I watched this in the theater, I was doing that. And I was uh, in, in this grade or was in this part of my college career and... This was about to happen, and I remember this. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's like a, it's like a little memory, little memory, little flashback. So, Arrested Development has not done that for me. But rest assured, if I change my mind and somehow, some way, I do become a fan, I will reveal it here on the bonfire. In the meantime, we'll see if it doesn't somehow convince me to come back. It might, but who knows. Thank you, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into the bonfire if you were able to listen to it this time. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, SoundCloud sucks, which means it affects our SoundCloud, uh, our, our Stitcher, our iTunes, and our Google Play. Hopefully we get this issue resolved without any more problems. First world problems, yes, but we are in the first world. And so I will be pissed if I do say so myself. There's no excuse for this. Oh, man. It stresses me out too much. I think it's time for bed. Please find Bonfire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am continuing in the pursuit of all things video for Bonfire and these um, you know, these weekly podcasts. I do put effort into these. I do, I think through these book reviews and movies, and I think, okay, is this something I approve of? Something I think is worth mentioning? Do I want to share this with the world? You know, I mean, the world isn't listening. I know a few hundred, several hundred people that are listening, which is great. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm humbled because when I first started a year ago with my good buddy, Chris, we had no idea what we were doing. We just said, hey, let's take a stab at it. And hell, sometimes I still feel like I'm doing that. I'm just talking. I'm just talking to a mic. But hey, who knows? Maybe one day I can become, you know, even better. I can learn how to put on a great show. I can have on huge, famous guests, and I can have the technology to uh, make that happen, and I have the time and effort and, you know, all sorts of things. I'm very hopeful, very hopeful that Bonfire will continue to grow as it has in the past 18 months. It's only been like 18 months, really. Maybe a year of some hardcore progress. So this is still very new. I'm still very proud of Bonfire Productions, the company. And everything it has done so far. I'm excited about where it can go in the future. So please, 
Go to bonfirethoughts.com, read some of our articles, and you know, find the authors that help contribute all the great stuff that's in it. And keep listening to the podcasts. Hell, write on Facebook and Twitter things you'd like for me to comment on, talk about. Share your thoughts on these movies and books and things that, hey, Andrew, here's a way for you to eat 5,000 calories in one meal. Great, fantastic. Send that to me. That's what I need to know. I want a little bit of fat on my body because right now at 5% body fat, that's not good. I need more fat. I'm going to leave it on that note. I need more fat. Thank you, Andrew Herzog, out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.